Hello everyone, this is JB with Not By Works Ministries. I want to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving on this uh, eve of Thanksgiving Day. I hope you're enjoying a great time with family and friends. You know, Wendy and I are. We've got most of our uh, kids home for uh, the holidays, and we've also got some other relatives and friends uh, that have uh, come in for the for the week. And boy, it's going to be a great, uh, great day tomorrow as we celebrate uh, all of the many blessings that we have in the Lord, and I hope you feel the same way. We are especially thankful for Plum Creek Chapel, our home church, and if you've not had the chance yet, I want to encourage you to listen to my Thanksgiving message from this past Sunday entitled, Set Your Mind on Things Above, and I know that'll be a blessing to you as we looked at Colossians chapter uh, 3. But as I was thinking about uh, Thanksgiving and all that we have to be thankful for, uh, most of you know, of course, I'm passionate about end times Bible prophecy, and I have been since I was a young man. And at Not By Works Ministries, our passion since we started back in 1999 has always been the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel message. And that, of course, goes hand in glove with the subject of the end times, because the closer we get to the return of the Lord, the more urgent the gospel becomes. And so uh, as we uh, travel and speak and uh, write books and produce other resources, uh, the driving force behind all that we do is to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for your sins, and that only by faith alone in him can you have eternal life. But as I've been speaking a lot lately and writing a lot about the subject of the end times, I thought, this might be a, a perfect opportunity with Thanksgiving uh, tomorrow uh, just to reflect on some of the end times Bible prophecies that we should be thankful for. Of course, we're thankful for all of God's Word and all of the prophecies that uh, await fulfillment. But there are some that, at least for me, I am especially thankful for and that just really fill me with expectancy and hope and joy as I think about uh, what lies ahead. So I'm calling this uh, podcast today, End Times Bible Prophecies, that we should be thankful for. And hopefully if you have the chance to listen to this before Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, uh, maybe you can reflect on a few of these around the Thanksgiving uh, table with your family and friends as well. Or if nothing else, it'll just plant the thoughts in your mind and you'll be thinking about them as you go through the rest of uh, this week. Uh, so number one on that list uh, for me, and I'm sure it's number one on just about everyone's list who, who studies and understands uh, the end times, is the rapture. You know, how thankful are you for the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to meet us in the air, rescue us from this present evil age at the, at the close of this age, and uh, in fulfillment of all of his all of his prophecy, you know the rapture is one of those subjects that unfortunately the devil has done a good job of confusing uh, believers about, and there's so much false teaching out there and misinformation and disinformation. But I got to tell you, the rapture is uh, one of the most uh, profound uh, doctrines taught in the Bible when it comes to the end times, and it is the next great prophetic fulfillment uh, to which we look forward. Um, I've said many times that uh, you know some 30% or 33%, roughly one-third, if you will, of the Bible is uh, prophetic in nature, and half of that has already been fulfilled, uh, speaking of you know prophecies related to the first coming of Christ and Christmas and Bethlehem and the atoning work of Christ and so on and so forth. But about half of the prophecies in Scripture uh, await future fulfillment. Uh, so that's about 16% roughly. 
And so you've heard me uh, describe those churches who refuse to teach about the end times as being part of the 84% club. And that's just a phrase I coined to refer to those churches that don't teach Bible prophecy because they're really only teaching 84% of the Bible. If 16% of the Bible is unfulfilled prophecy and they're not teaching that, then they're only teaching 84%. Uh, but of course, at Not By Works Ministries and Plum Creek Chapel, we certainly believe in preaching the whole counsel of God. And that begins uh, when it comes to the end times with the rapture. And, uh, you know, the rapture is... Uh, that moment that uh, Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4, when the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will, Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So a couple of uh, remarks about that verse. First of all, the phrase caught up in our English Bibles there in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 is the word rapture. When the Bible was translated into Latin, they used that word. Uh, in English, it's rapture. Rapere is the Latin word uh, to translate that Greek word, caught up. The original Greek word that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit when he penned these words is the word harpazo, which means to rescue from threatening danger. And boy, indeed, the rapture will rescue us uh, from the great day of the Lord's wrath that is about to be poured out on the earth. I've said many times, of course, the rapture does not guarantee that believers will not have to suffer or that we will not be here when many uh, terrible things begin to unfold on the earth. Indeed, they already are, as I talk about in my Spirit of the Antichrist uh, books. But it does promise us that before the uh, overflowing scourge, the incredible wrath of God pours out on the earth, and the Bible teaches that the, the world comes to this climactic end prior to the return of Christ to establish his kingdom, and for seven years all hell will break loose on earth, and prior to that seven-year period, we will be rescued. And so uh, the rapture of the church is something I'm especially thankful for. Uh, you know, Paul says it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. And uh, a lot of people get confused about that reference to the last trumpet. But remember, uh, there are a lot of trumpets in Scripture, and the trumpets are used frequently to announce uh, major developments and moves of God and judgments and so forth. So when Paul says the last trumpet there, he means the last trumpet of this age, not the last trumpet ever. Because, of course, we read that there are at least uh, six trumpet judgments, or seven, I should say, seven trumpet judgments that will uh, announce incredible uh, judgments of God during the future seven-year tribulation. But are you thankful for the rapture? Jesus promised to the disciples that he was going to go and prepare a place for us. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. You know, the rapture brings with it so many uh, beautiful blessings. We get to meet the Lord face to face. We get to be reunited with uh, those believers who have died and are, and are awaiting that great reunion in the sky in heaven already. Uh, we get our glorified bodies at the rapture. We receive our rewards for faithful service after the rapture. We experience the marriage of the Lamb, that final moment that the Bible talks about in Revelation 19 when the bride of Christ is united uh, for all of eternity with our Savior to help rule and reign with Him in the coming kingdom. And so the Bible frequently tells us to eagerly wait for the rapture. 
Hebrews 9, 28, that we are to eagerly wait for uh, God's Son from heaven. 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. Are you eagerly waiting for Christ's return? But most importantly, as we think about uh, this uh, Thanksgiving week, are you thankful for the rapture? Are you thankful that we don't have to be here and witness the rise of the Antichrist and his tyrannical rule over the world? We don't have to be here when the beast and the false prophet uh, uh, you know, roll out this uh, mark of the beast system. We see the stage being set for that already, and many of the components of uh, that system, as described in Revelation 13, are already um, standing on the on the precipice, ready to be rolled out. But we won't be here. Why? Because the Bible says we will be rescued before that great and terrible day of the Lord. Are you thankful for the rapture? Boy, I am. Uh, are you looking up and being watchful? Are you eagerly waiting for his return? Another Bible prophecy, and there are so many, but another one that comes to my mind this week as I'm focused on Thanksgiving and thinking about different Bible prophecies that I'm thankful for, and this one may surprise you a bit, but I'm actually thankful for the future unveiling of the Antichrist. Now, why in the world would I be thankful for the unveiling of the Antichrist? Well, you know why? Because when that happens, and of course we will have already been raptured as I just discussed, but when the Antichrist takes the helm, signs the peace treaty in Daniel, or, uh, yeah, Daniel 9, 27 uh, for seven years, when that happens, we know there's only seven years left until the triumphant return of Christ to establish the long-awaited kingdom. I mean, think about it. Right now, we don't know when that kingdom's going to come because we don't know when the rapture is going to happen. Uh, we are just waiting, uh, keeping our eyes fixed on the Lord, waiting expectantly. But someday after the rapture, that man of sin, the son of perdition, who's variously referred to in Scripture as the little horn or the prince that shall come, the willful king, the one who makes desolation, the lawless one, the beast, uh, many other names. But when he takes the four, at that moment, all the world will know that we're only seven years away from the triumphant return of Christ. And that's something to be thankful for. I'm thankful that God has laid out in Scripture plainly the steps that will lead up to the glorious return of Christ when he comes to take the throne and rule in perfect peace and righteousness and justice. And, you know, I talk about in my two newest books, The Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and Volume 2, about how the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work today, and, and, and it is intensifying, and we're seeing more and more signs that we're getting closer and closer to that man of sin taking the throne and uh, in, in his evil, tyrannical rule. Uh, and if we're getting closer to his reign, that just means we're getting closer to the rapture because the rapture must happen before the Antichrist is revealed. And in those books, I, I talk about how, you know, the more the closer we get, the more we see the spirit of the Antichrist intensifying. Uh, things like the spirit of pretense and power and perversion and persecution and uh, just so many uh, things that I lay out there that make it clear we are getting ever so close uh, to uh, the return of Christ. And so I'm thankful for the unveiling of the Antichrist. Uh, I'm also thankful for that, for that because when it happens, not only are we seven years away from the return of Christ, but what we're going to see is uh, a failed attempt on, on Satan's part to rule the world, which is what he's been trying to do for 6,000 years to take over the world. He'll have 
a brief success, and he'll think he's won when he indwells the Antichrist and the Antichrist rules the world, but it'll be short-lived, and then we will see his ultimate uh, defeat. And that leads me to a third prophecy that, as I think about, and again, there's so many, I have multiple uh, books and resources out there that describe many end times prophecies. For example, my book, What Lies Ahead, kind of as a comprehensive biblical overview of the end times, that prophecies that have not been fulfilled yet. But a third prophecy that I'm thinking about this week that I am especially thankful for is the coming a tribulation, the outpouring of God's wrath, that seven-year period. Now, kind of like I said with the Antichrist, you might be thinking, well, why in the world would anybody be thankful for that? That's going to be a time of utter devastation. That's true, but you know why I'm thankful for it? Because the Word of God describes that time as the day of vengeance of our God, that He is going to make all things right, that all of the inequities and injustices and heartache and tragedies and unfair things that we see happening in this world sold under sin will be made right one day. Satan may think he has the upper hand. Uh, he may have uh, been ruling this world as the prince of the power of the air and the god of this age, the Bible calls him. Uh, and therefore, there are so many injustices that happen. It's a fallen world. But in that final seven-year period, the outpouring of God's wrath, that's when the score will be evened. And then, of course, at the end of that seven-year period, uh, and this is, I guess, a fourth prophecy that I am so thankful for, is the second coming of Christ, when he comes to judge the Antichrist, and he comes to cast him into the lake of fire. And all of his Luciferian co-conspirators, as I talk about in my two books, uh, will be destroyed. They have hitched their wagon to the wrong one. They should have been following the Almighty God, the creator of the universe. Instead, they were following Lucifer. Uh, they were his henchmen. They were his earthly accomplices. And, uh, and at the second coming of Christ, they will be judged. And the Antichrist and the false prophet, uh, as well as anyone else who does not know the Lord at that time, will be uh, cast into the lake of fire. Now, I talk about in Spirit of the Antichrist, kind of what this this battle looks like when Christ comes back. You can check out spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, if you want to learn more about those books. But at the second coming, that's when Christ will come back. Uh, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19, I saw, a heaven, I saw heaven open and a, behold a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Uh, he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's us. That's the bride of Christ, newly married, having been raptured at least seven years earlier, maybe longer, because there's this gap of time between the rapture and the official unveiling of the Antichrist. But we're coming back with him at the second coming. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we're going to be following him on white horses and that we're going to rule and reign with him. The Bible says, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. All those nations that sign on to the satanic uh, globalist one world government that the Antichrist will have rolled out by that point. All those nations will bow and worship 
before Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm thankful for the second coming. I know there's a lot to happen before then. We've got the rapture when we're rescued to meet the Lord in the air. We've got the tyrannical reign of the Antichrist and the outpouring of God's wrath and the tribulation. But someday, at that climactic moment, just as Jesus promised, the Son of Man will come in power and great glory, Matthew 24, verse 30. And when is he going to do that? After the tribulation. After the tribulation. And unlike the rapture, by the way, When he comes back at the second coming, he will come back all the way to the earth to take the throne, just as he said. Uh, When the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, Matthew 25, 31, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. He didn't take the throne of his glory when he came at the rapture and met us in the air. Nothing about those passages describes an earthly reign inside a rebuilt temple on a physical throne. No, the rapture is a rescue in the air. And then the final seven-year period of Daniel's 490-year plan is unfolding, and the wrath of God is poured out. The Antichrist rises up. Uh, But when Christ comes back, he says, your redemption has come. The kingdom has come. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for uh, that triumphant picture that the Bible paints of Christ's return. And then along with it, of course, he's coming back to inaugurate the coming kingdom. So a fifth prophecy that I am thankful for today as I think about God's plan of the ages and all that he has promised us is the coming kingdom. So so let me review just to make sure we're tracking here. Number one, I'm thankful for the rapture. I'm thankful for the unveiling of the Antichrist. I'm thankful for the coming outpouring of God's wrath. I'm thankful for the second coming of Christ in power and great glory. And I'm thankful for the kingdom that he will inaugurate when he does come. He was promised, and the people of Israel were promised, a kingdom that should never end. And, uh, and, and Jesus Christ is going to inaugurate that kingdom. And what a day it will be. It will be a time of incredible peace and justice, unprecedented peace and justice. Everything that was unfair during this earthly time prior to the return of Christ, where Satan is the prince of the power of the air and human beings, flawed as we are, are doing our best to maintain justice. We won't have to worry about that. It'll be perfect justice. Christ, God himself, will be ruling ruling from the throne. And so, so many blessings will come during that kingdom. The kingdom, of course, if you've been following uh, my teaching for very long at all, you know I always like to point out that the kingdom is split into two parts. You've got the first thousand years, which is often referred to as the millennium, uh, the messianic reign of Christ on this old earth. So he'll come back. The temple will be rebuilt. It's described in all of its grandeur in Ezekiel chapters 40 to 48 in great detail, I might add. And, uh, but after that thousand years, the present earth, still under the curse of sin, will be destroyed. And God will recreate a new heavens and a new earth in perfect, sinless uh, peace and justice as the Bible essentially comes full circle back to the pre-fall Edenic state in the garden. And that's the sixth uh, prophecy, I think, that I am um, very thankful for, is that one day Christ will make all things new. One day 
we, we will not have to worry about the things that we are experiencing today. Listen to the way the Bible describes the new heavens and the new earth at the end of that thousand-year millennial phase of the kingdom. Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses uh, 1 and 2. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of men is with God, of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and he himself will be with them and be their God. Speaking of that everlasting special intimacy, nothing, nothing will break fellowship with God anymore after that moment. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Are you struggling this Thanksgiving week with grief and with uh, sad memories because maybe a loved one that you held so dear is no longer with you to celebrate? Maybe their spot at the Thanksgiving table is empty. And as you sit around and try to think about all the things you have to be thankful for and you try to share little Thanksgiving testimonies like many Christian families do around the table before they eat, say something you're thankful for. Maybe you're finding it difficult to do that because your, your, your heart aches with the loss of a loved one. Well, just remember, you can be thankful for the fact that someday God is going to wipe away every tear from your eyes and there will be no more sorrow or crying. I know that uh, you still have to endure that now, but it's just a little while. Endure for a little while, because a better day is coming. And that's something to be thankful for. Where would we be without that hope? We would be empty. Life would have no purpose and no meaning. But because you're a child of God, because you know the Lord, if you've placed your faith and trust in Him, you can look forward to that day of the new heavens and the new earth and all the blessings that come with it. And that passage in Revelation 21 closes out, with these words, then he, he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these things, for these words are true and faithful. You can take it to the bank. You can count on it. That's what I love about studying end times prophecy because we have God's track record very clearly laid out in Scripture. Every prophecy he ever gave has been fulfilled precisely as he said it would. And so too, with those many end times prophecies that await future fulfillment. They will be fulfilled. So I'm thankful for the new heavens and the new earth. And then one more that will round us out at seven. So I'm thankful for the rapture. I'm thankful for the unveiling of the Antichrist. I'm thankful for the future outpouring of God's wrath. Thankful for the second coming of Christ and the kingdom that he will inaugurate and ultimately when that kingdom will be turned into the new heavens and the new earth. But finally... And maybe this is the one that I saved for last because I'm so focused these days on uh, you know, the Luciferian conspiracy and all that Satan is trying to do as we see literally the earth shaking and reverberating with Luciferian plans and agendas popping up everywhere we look. And again, if you've not read those two books that uh, Volume 2 just came out in October, uh, Volume 1 came out last March, both of them this year, you need to read that so that you can be prepared and understand what God's plan of the ages involves. And it's for all of those reasons that I'm thankful for a seventh prophecy, future end times prophecy, and that is the final 
judgment of Satan. Hallelujah. What a day that will be. You know, the more I study the Word of God and understand this cosmic battle, this uh, conspiracy that involves Satan, demons, and his human accomplices working together to defeat God and take over this world for their own. That's described, by the way, in Psalm chapter 2. The more I study it, the more I hate Satan. And the more I like reminding him that he is going to be judged, that his day is coming. He will face eternal torment in the lake of fire. Listen to what Revelation chapter 12 tells us. So the great dragon, this is at the end of, uh, the, I'm sorry, this is at the midpoint of the tribulation, and we'll get to the end in just a moment. But at the midpoint, it's kind of a harbinger of things to come. His days are short. You know, The coming of Christ is just three and a half years away, and we read the great dragon, that serpent of old who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, is cast to the earth, and his angels demons, that is, are cast out with him. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because, listen, because he knows that he has a short time. At the midpoint of that seven-year tribulation, Satan will be banished to the earth, no longer allowed to freely approach God in heaven and accuse the brethren. He'll know that he's only got three and a half years before Christ comes back and takes the victory at the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, he's already won the victory at the cross, of course, defeating death, hell, and the grave when he rose again. But on earth, the battle will culminate in Armageddon when Christ takes the throne. And then Satan will be locked up for a thousand years in prison, only to be set free one final time at the end of the thousand years so that he can be judged for all of eternity. And listen to what we read in Revelation chapter 20. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till those thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And then, verse 10, Revelation 20, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So that unholy trinity that rears its head during the tribulation period of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet will all spend all of eternity being tormented day and night forever and ever. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that his day is coming. You know, I talked about Sunday in my Thanksgiving message from Colossians chapter 3 on set your mind on things above, how with Christ right now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God on the throne and waiting, waiting for him to come back and take the earthly throne and the rebuilt temple, anytime Satan approaches God to accuse the brethren like he did with Job, he sees Christ sitting right there and how he must shudder to think of what come, what is coming. In order to go to God, he's got to see Christ sitting right there. And I just picture Christ looking at him with this knowing look saying, go ahead, give it your best shot. Continue to wreak havoc. Continue to do whatever you think you need to do. But you are a loser and you're not going to win. And someday I'm going to destroy you with a word, with just a word. Well, I hope uh, some of these prophecies fill you with gratitude the way they did me as I thought about them. So many more. Maybe you've got a favorite end times prophecy too that you love 
to hold on to because it's just special to you. But these are some biggies and some that I hope that you will at least maybe think about this week or possibly even mention them as as you go around the Thanksgiving table tomorrow and everyone is talking about things that they're thankful for. Remember, we have a lot to be thankful for beyond just what we can see and hear and, and touch. We have things in the heavenlies to be thankful for, especially some of these prophecies. So just mention how thankful you are for the rapture or for the fact that someday the Antichrist is going to be unveiled because when that happens, we know we're only seven years away from the return of Christ. Mention maybe being thankful for the outpouring of God's wrath when everything is evened out and vengeance is finally accomplished. Maybe you can mention how thankful you are for the future second coming of Christ and the coming kingdom and the new heavens and the new earth. Or maybe you can be mention how thankful you are for the judgment of Satan. But if you're listening to this podcast today, the thing that we should all be the most thankful for is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've not done that, let me encourage you. Salvation can only come by grace through faith. It's only when we trust in Jesus Christ who paid our personal penalty for sin when he died on the cross and rose again that we can have the forgiveness of sin. You see, every human being that's ever been born is a sinner. There's not even a single righteous person on earth. And the penalty for that sin is eternal separation from a holy God in a literal place of torment called hell, the same place that the beast, the false prophet, and Satan will one day end up. And you don't have to go there. Uh, The price has been paid to keep you out of hell, but you have to receive that gift. God doesn't force the gift of forgiveness upon anyone. It has to be freely offered and freely received. And today I hope, if you've not trusted Christ, that Maybe as the Word of God has been proclaimed on this podcast, the Spirit of God will convict you of your need for a Savior, and in simple childlike faith, you will trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. Well, thanks for joining me for the podcast today. Again, happy Thanksgiving to you and your families. Uh, We're looking forward to uh, another podcast on Friday. My good friend Randy will be with us uh, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, so you can watch for that to be posted as he gives us an update on current events and things that are going on in the world. And I want to mention also that, uh, again, the Spirit of the Antichrist books are available. Just go to spiritoftheantichrist.org and you can click the links there to read more about them and purchase them directly from there. And then we've also uh, posted a new uh, item on the Not By Work store, and I think there's a banner about it on our website, and that is uh, a gift card. Maybe you're already beginning to think about Christmas gifts, uh, and uh, if, uh, if you can't think of anything maybe to give someone that you love, uh, consider a Not By Works Ministries gift card from the Not By Works store where they can select any number of resources, books, and other solid, biblically sound uh, resources that will help them grow in their faith and clearly proclaim the gospel, including, of course, my Spirit of the Antichrist book. So you can check that out on our website at notbyworks.org. Well, God bless you. Thanks again for listening. And once again, happy Thanksgiving.